0: for your your throne with joy and we thank you father that uh, we have a joyful relationship with you nothing's too hard for you nothing's too hard for us because we're in you And we thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for this time. Open up our understanding as you open up your word and your revelation to us. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about roots. What are your roots? What are your roots? What are your roots? Praise the Lord. Their roots and their roots. <laughs> We're not talking about your roots of your natural color of your hair or your roots. Oh, <laughs> put put away all your paranoia. Right. 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 Everybody, put away that paranoia. <laughs> yeah, this will be a safe root conversation. So, uh, but roots meaning what are you grounded in? Or what are you planted in? And, and where do you draw sustenance? Roots are essential for life. Every plant or every root has its origin in the seed. So, inside of every seed, are the essentials for the root in fact the essentials for the whole plant is in the seed but we need to understand roots the the fundamental part of a root is the seed from which it is birthed so the seed comes first then the root but the root becomes so essential to the growth of the plant and the life of the plant that the root kind of takes over as the fundamental uh, uh, sustenance drawer for a, any, any force of life. We can have roots that we talk about here in a plant as our example, but when we talk about other things that come forth from seed, we know that there are roots there as well. Words particularly our seeds and words establish roots as part of their growth system we said a root is essential for life for the life of any plant or any uh, the uh, byproduct of a seed or the uh, the end result of a seed so when a plant is germinated that means the conditions are ripe for growth seeds lie around in dormant form for a long time now that ought to help you understand why it took your, your parents 15 years telling you to do the same thing before you actually did it. Amen. Amen. And you were shocked you did it. <laughs> yeah. So they were planting seeds, but they never germinated. The conditions were never ripe for them to bear fruit. We can not do that with anything. Man, there are so many things that are dormant in our lives and so many things that are active in our lives and they all come forth from seeds. So when conditions are ripe, when a a seed is germinated, the root will spring forth of its own. So it, it it there is a condition on every plant. Generally, with most seeds for, for plant life that we know about, it takes water and sunlight. Sometimes very little sunlight, but mostly water. Once the, the capsule on the seed is dissolved by water, removed by water, then that root will start to spring forth. And the root is something that is seeking life for that plant. So the root has the life-seeking ability built within it. Roots from from common plants that we plant, say like your tomato, your corn, or something that you, or grass even, are what they call hydrophilic. And this is something you'll see across the board in nature. Everything loves water. Everything loves water. And so (laughs) roots typically are drawn to water. If you ever, say like in a a situation where people are trying to dig a well, they'll always look where there's vegetation or some kind of growth to know that there's some water around somewhere. And maybe underneath And certain types of plants, say like trees, will be supported by very deep, what they call tap roots, where they can tap into a source of, of water that is way beneath the ground. So roots are drawn to a to a source of nourishment. Water and other nutrients that are a part of water then come forth through the root system and they provide the nourishment for the plants. There are many types of root systems. <clears throat> a root is an organ that typically lies below the surface of the soil. So a root is pretty much unseen A root is unseen. And this is important to know because there are many types of plants or types of growth in our life where you can see evidence of a seed having been planted but you don't know where the root is. Hmm. you don't know where the root is for instance a person, a a, uh, human being who has a disease or has cancer may have uh, certain types of symptoms in their body but they don't know the root and sometimes they'll never determine where the cancer started they want to always know where the root is and why is that important well if they can find the root they can find what's nourishing this thing And uh, hopefully get rid of the nourishment source and then the plant will die. And this is why roots have this uh, um, kind of uh, ability and almost an instinct within themselves to lay hidden beneath the surface. Hmm? They have that ability to lie hidden beneath the surface. For instance, if you if you uh, have a plant and that plant and it rains a lot and the soil gets washed away, you'll see roots start to roots get exposed. They'll run along whatever surface they they take a new direction in hiding themselves from exposure. Why is exposure bad? Well, because exposure can kill the roots. Just exposure in itself can kill them. Well, I'll give you a tip off. (laughs) It's to the realm of the spirit, the spirit world. This is why the devil works in darkness and works underground. Because once he's exposed, people will begin to identify who he is. Well, most people, you know, there's some people who just will shake hands with the devil and take him home with him and make friends with him too. You understand what I'm saying? But generally... Any uh, system that wants to survive and live will keep its roots underground, will keep its roots hidden so that it can can survive. Roots can also grow above. There are certain types of plants that their roots kind of shoot up instead of down Uh, I remember back in the 70s everybody had avocado plants in the house those vines that would grow all over the place well if you didn't know there was an up and a down in an avocado plant you planted the wrong direction the root came up anyway but it dried out because you didn't know to stick it upside down in the water and it would survive that way so there are different types of root systems. There are root systems that run along the ground, and they uh, there are nodes on the the uh, on the stems that each have roots shooting off of those, and that's the worst kind of weed to get in your yard because you never get rid of it. There are some plants like uh, 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 I think the um, Japanese lantern plant. Don't ever get that in your yard. I mean, if you get tired of looking at them little orange cute things hanging off of there, before you know it, by the time you get sick of it, it's grown all through because it has a root system that runs along the top of the ground. They're called rhizomes. And there's certain grass that grows. Some of the grass they use on golf courses. So they pick it for that because it's very hardy. It's hard to kill. And so they they have a survival that's kind of above ground but underneath too. So they can just go along the ground where most roots go straight down and branch out a little bit. This guy is able to go along the surface of the ground and just plant himself wherever <laughs> wherever he wants to. And so roots then are very, very hardy in supporting life. And you can see why, because their job is so important. You know, if you want to support life, you want to be able to do it in all kinds of conditions stems can grow below ground also you know now you've seen uh, plants if you plant them real real deep put a lot of soil around them that stem will come up but there will be part of it under the ground as well a root then is a non-leaf a non-node bearing part of a plant's body So a root is a lot of non-things. But one thing it definitely is, is it is a sustainer of life. So roots have basically four functions. Number one, and this we're talking about a plant, is to absorb water. Water is is definitely necessary for the life process of the plant. You know it's... Photosynthesis, it synthesizes water and some air components with sunlight as a catalyst and they produce food for the plant. The root also is to anchor the plant to the ground and support it. So a root supports the life that it produces. The root is also important for the storage of nutrients say for instance if the conditions are not conducive to continual growth that plant can draw sustenance for a long time from its root system and survive through difficult conditions the also root is also necessary for reproduction so that plant will reproduce after its own kind because of its root system so if you allow a plant to grow to the adult stage where it's able to produce fruit then that fruit has life that seed of the fruit has life within itself and so it reproduces after its own kind roots sometimes can be split and they if there's enough of the body of the root there it will sustain life again just out of itself you, you've seen certain plants uh, that you plant, bulb plants like tulips and uh, crocuses and things like that, that are dormant for a long season of time. Well, that bulb really has the root on the inside of it. So that when you get a plant, a full mature plant, you might have several bulbs underneath there so that they have that that which, which once was the root now becomes the seed and the plant. So it has life within itself reproducing after its own kind. That's kind of the law of reproduction that God put in motion in the earth. Roots can intermingle with other plants and support plant life. Like there's a weak plant or weak root It can marry with other plants and intermingle with those and reproduce and grow. There are some uh, types of plant life that live off the roots of others. And so that root is able not only to sustain the life of its own plant, but also to sustain the life of other plants. The purpose of the root then is to provide, sustain, and support life. So it provides, sustains, and supports life. Now we're going to talk about the types of roots that people have in their life. So we have, basically, I broke it up into three different um, categories. You know, just for the sake of of what we're talking about. One area is your natural root. It's who you physically came from and how you physically got here. The other one is social or cultural, and that's the environment that you grow in, what you're nurtured in. The other is religious. I didn't say spiritual, I said religious for a reason, so you can see why. Natural roots. People are planted in families. We are planted in families. We have our roots in families. Uh, many of you saw the YouTube video of the 15-year-old boy that um, came to a church and uh, asked if he would, could be adopted by a family. Uh, really humbled himself, and I think he was—he's uh, probably. Typical of people in his situation, but rare in that he's able to express his need for a family. Most of children who grow up in foster care, those roots are there, but they have lost their voice. They've gone dormant because they've gone so long without the care and love of a family. Most of them have given up on ever getting that uh, this young man didn't and from what we hear there's over 10,000 responses to his request to live with a family some of the people in the church right there wanted to adopt him and so here he's these he's has roots as a human being and somehow they wherever he starts to draw sustenance from a family system it gets shut down because he gets moved around so he's smart enough to figure out that if he could just get stable somewhere and lay down roots that are safe roots he wants to be adopted that means I don't keep moving around anywhere I'm here to stay and so there is a cry in the heart of every life for it to be rooted somewhere, I don't care what kind of situation you're in or what kind of situation you go to. It kind of amazes me sometimes the pull that gang families will have on individuals that That's such a hard a hard system of living. You know, but yet they seek that because there's, there's a seed in them somewhere with some very fragile roots and those roots want to be locked in somewhere where they can grow, where they can thrive. So people really feel rejected. They feel outcast because if they're not rooted somewhere in something, then they know that that they won't grow. There's a fear that their very life will be cut off or cut short because of the, the lack of rooting. So the roots are very, very important. You'll see even in families where... Where it's not pleasant for the child. They're very fearful of losing that family connection. Say, for instance, you've got some drug-addicted parents that, that slap you around or neglect you or something like that. But the minute somebody comes to take you away from them, then there's, very, uh, there's fear and there's crying and chaos. And kids will beg to stay with that parent. Why? Because they feel their roots. They, they're drawing some life from that system. They draw something from that and that's what we need to understand that there's a draw there and because there's a system that feeds that individual, that feeds that life, that feeds that person and we need to respect that and understand that that roots are very very important in that respect. So God places people in families. He places them definitely with a mother, with a nurturer, uh, because the nurturing is very important for growth. And so when, uh, when children, that's why many times in situations where uh, that the mother, it's questionable that the mother will be able to care for that child... If it can be arranged that that child be adopted at birth, it's much better for the child. Everybody knows that. Because it's better if they never really get rooted there with somebody who can't take care of them. That life won't won't come to an end, the type of end that they want it to come to. And we know it because we know that there are certain things that are conducive to good growth in a child and certain things that are not. So people aren't stupid. We're smart enough to know what will cause a child to grow and flourish and thrive. And we're smart enough to know what things won't. And if there is a hint from the mother that that they won't be able to care for that child and won't be able to give it good care then there are efforts made to get that child rooted into a family that can nurture, care for, and sustain it because life is very fragile. You got me? Life is always very fragile. So God sovereignly chooses our natural parents. He does it after the counsel of our own will. So if you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at God for where you wound up. Uh, if you think about it, oftentimes your parents weren't that thrilled with you either. So it's a, it's kind of an equal give and take in many situations. <laughs> my my mother, uh, my both my parents, my mother and my dad, always had uh, negative comments about Aunt Uh She just always had that reputation. She never listened to anybody. She is bossy. She, this or that, and the other. You know, but she was always very dependable, so my mother could could leave us kind of in her care. You know, kind of like the Adams family. Where's the baby? Oh, I threw him down the flight of stairs. Right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And so, but but you know, there there's there's. Uh, a, surprises on both sides i'll put it that way there's some things that we would say well gee if i could have picked you know uh as young kids we always wanted to be uh have the prettiest mother or the mother that drove the car or the you know something like that anything your mother wasn't that was what you wanted you know that kind of stuff So, But God says "But that before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you and he ordained you. So he knew you and your mama. You got me? And he stuck y'all with each other. So praise God. So he knows already. Whether you're born in a marriage or out of a marriage, God chose who your parents were. So God plants us in places for reasons of his purpose. He knows how to be glorified in any situation. And this just shows you the sovereignty and the power of God. That He is able to redeem, He is able to heal, He's able to help, He's able to do everything that needs to be done in these situations because He's the sovereign God. He plants us in places for reasons that we know not. And the only way we're going to know some of these reasons is we got to connect with God. So that's going to be the ultimate, really the ultimate goal for any life on earth is to connect with God. That's where you're going to find your greatest sustenance. That's where you're going to find your greatest joy, your greatest purpose. Your only purpose is going to be known in God. Whenever we are planted or wherever we are planted. He predestined you to conform to the image of his son. So you have a predestination that goes beyond your natural situation. So when you look in the overall scheme of things. Your natural beginnings have very little impact. Very, They should have very little impact. They have very little purpose in a sense in your life other than to keep you alive until god connects with you that's really the purpose of any plant is to stay alive and so i think sometimes we can we can relax ourselves and we can rest and we can get a lot of people off the hook if we'll realize that god put you in that family to be to live you got me? To be basically sustained. And so after you get your basics out of the way, the the real purpose of your life only comes in God. I don't care you know, how wonderful your parents were and how much they invested in your education and, and sent you to the best schools and did the best of this, that, and the other. If that does not fit in with the plan of God for you, you know, that's not part of his redemptive plan for you, then it means very little. You know, it just shows that, you know, your parents were maybe had some wisdom. They put some things in you that perhaps can be used by God, perhaps not. And so the ultimate really is to understand that God got you here so that you could live, so that he can find you, so that you could really live. And that's that's the ultimate in it. So wherever you're planted, he predestined you to conform to the image of his son. Okay, So he is not interested in perfect beginnings. Not at all. But he, is, he intervenes to make the middle and the ending of your life to be according to his will. And he sets in motion a plan to redeem you. To buy you out of whatever you're rooted in to start with. This is why he helps us to move forward beyond a bad beginning. See. God always helps you to move forward beyond a bad beginning. Hmm? What about these neglectful upbringings? What about these difficult beginnings that we have? They are part of our natural root system. And they intermingle with a social root system makes them stronger remember we talked about certain plants are able to by their roots intermingle with other plants and they both become stronger plants because the root system is intertwined it's interesting some people some plants have very delicate roots and if they're disturbed even a little bit that whole plant can fail and that whole plant can die and this is why roots like to stay hidden underground because they're very delicate in many ways, uh, for instance, there's some plants if you try to separate them out too much and you disturb they say disturb the roots. they are not sure exactly what goes on, but when you try to transplant it, if you 're not careful to make sure it 's planted properly, that root system can die. I bought trees that you know have the ball you know and a lot of dirt around it, you put it in the ground and it just nothing you know and you do what they instruct you to do and it doesn't happen so roots plants don't transplant too well that's why they they have such uh Root systems, a root is really the source of life there and it seeks to find sustenance. It just keeps seeking, keeps seeking to find sustenance. And that's really what happens sometimes with, with some of the upbringings that people have that are not sustaining their life they're not their detrimental upbringings and your upbringing can be detrimental in many ways you know you can it can be from poor parenting can be from neglect it can be from uh, abandonment abuse uh, lack of wisdom on the part of parents you know sometimes (coughs) your parents uh, people who immigrate sometimes have very very uh, um, difficult Stressful upbringings, because what you're doing is you're taking that delicate family that's rooted in one culture and plucking them out of the culture, so they have to get into a culture where those roots can find some some nourishment, some sustenance. That's why many times you'll find that uh, dis- different ethnic groups will tend to congregate together in a in a, a, a say an area, say for instance certain areas of of certain cities were known to have certain types of communities that were devoted to one specific ethnic group and you can understand why when once you got there and, and you know your brother-in-law had an apartment and he knew the language a little bit and, The neighbor was a little bit more advanced, and he had been there a little bit longer. So it was it was uh, possible for a family newly immigrating to just put themselves down in those roots. There was a safe place for them to grow, where they wouldn't be destroyed, they wouldn't be separated, they wouldn't be uprooted. And their culture it wasn't a culture what they call a culture shock to people, where they get in there and the culture kind of destroys them because they. They have no familiar root system to tap into. See, an organism has to continue to grow, even though, say, for instance, if you are in a new culture, then you're expected to have your roots commingle at some times with the dominant culture. Uh, They call it assimilation, where you know people will come into a culture and they can keep their own uh, identity and root system for a season, but then their best success will be to assimilate into the general culture, Because after all that's what they came for. They came to be a part of this new thing. Well at the same time they're assimilating into the general culture they still have roots and their, their ethnic beginnings and their personal cultural beginnings that continue to feed that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with if you if you come from, uh, um, you know, say, uh, Poland, that you get in a Polish community in this country, but yet at the same time, when you go to your job, you speak English at the job. You're learning to speak English and all these things, and, and you like your 42-inch big screen television and all the things <laughs> that come Come with being an American, you know. <laughs> so, so your roots are rooted around your little remote control and your forty-two incher. But you, you know, you also eat your pierogi and all that kind of stuff, and you have a really good time there. And so, you get the best of both. You got me. At some point, though, it might become necessary for your growth and advancement in a certain area to disconnect from some of those roots. And so uh, you say like you have some uh, neighborhoods now uh, that are are mixed you've got african-americans on uh sobinski avenue and you know stuff like that and kosciusko avenue and and you know we like polish boys but we put barbecue sauce and and coleslaw and french fries on the polish sausage and so you see the (laughs) you see the evidence of cultures as one culture is, is moving on to be assimilated, another one is coming to that neighborhood. But there's still some roots there from the previous culture. And that's very common uh, in America and in cultures in cult- countries similar to this. So you can see how that natural sustenance must continue. If that organism has continued to grow, even though we're being assimilated into different areas. Uh, for instance, if you're the first one in your family to complete high school. You know some people are are first generation high school graduates. some people are first generation college graduates, all that kind of stuff. You can be the first one because your 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 life has been sustained by the parents who didn't speak good English, didn't know how to hold good jobs, didn't have a lot of education. they caused you to grow, they raised you, they kept you alive, they clothed you as best they could, et cetera, et cetera. But those parents do expect, if they have high expectations of you, they expect you to grow out and get out of the house and do well. And so they've allowed your roots to take in a new sustenance from somewhere that's going to cause you to be a stronger plant. And so it's very common to have that mixture of in your root system you know you'll have a social there that an ethnic there that ties you into the to the general culture you'll have uh some some uh um uh ties that tie you into the greater culture sometimes uh they get crossed up or sometimes you you get in situations and you're not sure which way to to respond you know to people i know when i w- uh, first year i was in college i had changed the way that i related to people and talked because i was there to get an education and then i would come home and i would speak the same way and people would look at me like "Well, what happened to you you did got it ed- you got edumacated on us it's something. you know that kind of thing it's not so much of a of a divider now because of, of mass communication it's one of the things that has neutralized our cultural differences because they're just not there anymore the, the lines are blurred you know it's you know people can pick up any language they want to sometimes the more trendy upbeat hip the language is the more people you see gravitating that way of speaking, where it was never, never that way before, you know. At, at, at some point, the focus and the values shifted. See, there was a shift in values. I can remember when I was growing up, we were corrected all the time for people by people who were older when our grammar wasn't correct. I mean, you were taught to speak like you had an education and you weren't to fall back into any kind of slang or any kind of, you know, cultural uh, um, uh, dialect because you were on your way someplace else and you were not to go back, you know, (laughs) to that, (laughs) that situation. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I worked in an area in a hospital that was just kind of on the fringes of the suburbs and there were a lot of people who were moving toward uh, um, more expensive suburban properties. And, uh, I would hear over here some of the women all the time saying, Oh no, we're not going back to the old neighborhoods. You don't go back to the old neighborhoods. So their idea of, of, you know, cutting off that root system that they felt was negative for them was to move into a better neighborhood, more expensive neighborhood to reflect that you had prospered, you know, and that, that's the way they felt about it. So there's all kinds of ways people have of getting rid of the old roots. You know, it's just divorcing themselves from the old roots. And really hardly not any of them work. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, for instance, uh, it always amazes me sometimes if, if uh, say, for instance, if Maria's around, you know, and, and we'll see somebody and, and she'll know that they don't speak very Very fluent English, or you know, so you're trying to talk to them, and she'll just pipe up in Spanish, and they just, you know, going on and on and on and have a whole lot to say. And so, that root that she has for her her language that she grew up with is always going to be there. In some way, even to the degree that now she's teaching her little girl spanish you know and and um, you know even though she's american born here and and all of that well Puerto-, Puerto Ricans are Americans, but they still have that native culture thing that they hold on to because it's familiar it's good for them, and there's nothing wrong with it. they like it, and it's okay you got me and so the there are ways that that you can can add to it you can lock into some other things but whatever is the dominant root system i would say in your life is going to win out see that that dominant thing is going to win out and so we have to uh, always keep in mind that those roots are there they don't go anywhere and they don't go anywhere real fast because the more you try to kill off a root the harder it fights for life and that's what we have to understand, especially natural and cultural things. So when we, we start to uh, talk about uh, negative upbringing, like a, a, a neglectful upbringing or bad upbringing, these are part of our natural roots with social roots intermingled. We said that. For instance, if you live in a certain neighborhood, oftentimes what is the predominant thought in the neighborhood? What are the people after? What are the people like? What type of lives do they live? Uh, A neighborhood oftentimes will define your goals. It'll define your lifestyle. It'll define everything. When I grew up, we lived in a uh, tenement type of a house. And that's a house that doesn't have. It's not a high-rise. It's, you know, smaller, uh, two stories and so forth. But there was a chain of probably about 12 12 apartments. And they were like duplexes but with common walls. There was an upstairs, a downstairs. And you could just sit on one porch and look down and see everything your neighbors did. So if you got a piece of furniture, everybody knew it. If you... (laughs) Oh, I see you got some new furniture. Let me come in and try to sit on it. (laughs) And your neighbor's reaction oftentimes determined what you thought about your your purchase, Uh what you thought about what you were doing I remember when we were my mother took us out of the public schools and put us in a private school it was a Catholic school and we started coming home in uniforms and oh boy you know everybody had an opinion about that and uh, you know well you know them people they dress funny what's them people call to teach them in them funny op- outfits they wear mm-hmm. and so Your neighborhood values will often define whether your roots dig in or whether the roots withdraw. And sometimes wanting to be a part of things will cause you to dig in stronger and dig in greater. You got me? And instead of letting those roots kind of like die off a bit so that you can have room to put in roots that will distinguish your children based on their abilities and that, you know, your parents must see something of value there because they're willing to invest in it. And so these types of root things, you know, can can, uh, cause good or bad. Now, it's interesting why you withdraw roots is extremely important it has a lot to do with the life it it has a lot to do with what you're going to uh, what type of root system you'll mingle with and tap into and what type of root system that you will wind up with if a person has a rebellious or or uh, um, has a purpose other than growth you know what I'm saying? Growth is, is something that, that has to do uh, with um, uh, increase, um, prosperity, um, kind of like doing better, and even assimilating into the general culture. You know, those are kind of like positive motives for the roots to go in. But if there's someone who's rebellious, you know, say say you have a dad that was the bad seed in the family, and he never did what was right, and he always went against the grain, and he happened to be your father, and, and you know he decides the family's going to get a new car just to show everybody that you know we've made it now, and so when those types of roots start to try to dig in because they they can't find a kinship or a way to survive and thrive those roots don't tend to sustain anything got me? roots of rebellion very often are plucked off because their intent is not to thrive support and grow their intent really is to divide and cut off so as far as the natural uh... natural way that roots tend to grow and sustain life it's, it always has to be a positive thing going on. It seems for that system to work. You got me. Uh, people who get rooted in things that that are hard to sustain because they're either illegal, immoral, or go against some stated, some of God's stated life purposes, tend not to thrive for very long. For instance, if, say for instance, if that's your father, that he's always against everybody, he's always going against the grain, at some point there's going to be some reaction to that. And a child who's got a brain can see that. You got me, even though I love Dad, he when he gets on that thing about so and so and so and so, you know, and so what happens is the child growing in that environment can be smart enough to cut most of that off. But suppose it's a kid who's just like dad and likes to goof around it, they'll lock in there and draw that. So that's why you see sometimes what we call generational curses run through families you know uh, uh, one of the the uh, uh, kind of like saddest situations you can see when uh, a father who's been estranged from his son meets him in prison you know that that kind of stuff happens and so you see two generations of of men who really Needed to be rooted in love and rooted into a better system so that they could flourish and grow. You see potential there, but that potential was, was never recognized because the root system's wrong. See, that, that rebellion found a way to survive and thrive, even though there's all these elements against it. I mean, when you think about it, a person who stays in rebellion, you've got the law against them you've got law abiding people against them you've got basically good people against them you've got all kinds of elements against that type of growth but yet they can survive anyway and so they, they'll they survive for a season but not very long that's why God says rebellion is as the sin of root uh, witchcraft because it's just so evil and so wrong he wants to see it cut off and so when our, our roots get intermingled we can survive and thrive sometimes in a negative way of living for a long time. You, you'll find people who support that. And uh, now that, that the drug culture has gotten so prominent uh, in this country, that's a, that witchcraft culture is one that tends to draw people. It's drawing roots from all kinds of segments of society. That's why it's so powerful. Very hard to kill that because there's always somebody rich who's got enough money and has got idle time and now they want to get on drugs. So it it supports that system. And so these things are, are sometimes very, very difficult to just cut off of society even though there's so much against it. Once they those roots tap in to other roots that have a, a life source different from that, then they will be able to be sustained and, and to, to come forth. Uh, many times you'll see a very uh, harsh judgment against rebellious seeds that rebel against the main root. You got me? Say, for instance, somebody who's selling drugs for somebody else and they steal the money. They decide to take their own little root and go off. Well, they get cut off real quick because this thing is so powerful that they're going against that 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 tree will cut itself off. You know, it'll prune itself and so that it can survive because that's how powerful these things are. And so whenever we have uh, bad and negative situations in our upbringing, there are certain natural forces that will keep them from getting too far out of hand it's called the mercy of god you got me so uh, whether you're a christian or not you're in a christian home or not there is a mercy of god that will sustain a life to keep things from getting quite so bad it's bad enough it would be worse if it weren't for the mercy of god in some people's lives so, the social and cultural roots can support the life of the natural, even when it's unpleasant, when that life is unpleasant. For instance, you might find uh, in a family, say, if there's a parent. That can't uh, parent the children, you might find another family member that's willing to take on that responsibility. Um, Pastor Shirley was talking about, she said, Boy, she said, all the grandparents that come up here to the school and pick up their kids. You know, where it used to be moms that got the children, now it's like anybody who's available, you know, but a lot of grandparents now have to get involved. Not only in getting them back and forth to school, but oftentimes in their upbringing, uh because parents are too busy see we have two two paycheck households now, and uh, that route is not going to be sustained for very long because it's it's against what God wants and it's against what is good for for uh, for uh, good growth. You see the product, the end result is going to show that the root system needs to be changed. Like if you have a plant that, say for instance, you're growing roses and you want them to be a certain size and you see that they're not that size, you got to look at which, what's the root bringing in. you got to look at how many you know petals and plants and so forth are on that particular plant? Maybe you need to prune, so that you something's got to get cut away when the fruit's not up to par. See, there's there's a change that needs to be made. God's system is always the best system you know the reason he has the woman birth the child is because she is nominated by birth as the caregiver <laughs> you got me and as long as that life needs care uh, her her abilities will be there for that child they must be there for that child because there's nobody else elected to do that job but her now we can have um, people who can do certain things to fill in but how many people how many of you know the child knows the difference between mom and grandma they know the difference between mom and aunt so and so and so when when that that root is not tapped in to the natural parent there's always a deficiency that child perceives a deficiency and some kids can be well balanced in it and and can say the right words but until that root that's torn away from the natural parent can be healed there's it's just words see because there's nothing there uh, to patch up that that bruised root. there's nothing there, and that where that root would would have drawing sustenance the type of sustenance it would have drawn it's got to have now different sustenance drawn to it, and so it makes it very, very difficult for a a a child to substitute Parenting, because of what the parent is ordained by God to bring to that child's life. You, can't, you can do the best you can, but you can't really replace the natural parent. Try as we might, we're unable to uproot ourselves from difficult life situations because life sustains us in the place where we're planted. So even though a child might have a uh, um, kind of a a damaged upbringing, say, uh, there's insecurity, uh, one parent household, uh, being left with people they're not familiar with, maybe even abused or molested by some of those people that they're left in the care of. There's all of this uh, um, difficulty. In that person's life, you have to understand, because there are roots there, that child draws life from that situation. They draw some life from that situation. When kids are, are, as we said, taken away from the parents or the parents can't care for them, there's still a root system there in place that can draw from that natural parent and that desires to draw from that natural parent. So we draw from our family. We draw encouragement. We draw love. We draw uh, security. You draw all of those things as much as you can from the parent and from the family. What about families where the parents are not as functional and can't supply those things? Well, oftentimes those unsustained roots... Say, for instance, you're a child that needs encouragement because you want to go places in life and your parents are very discouraging. You know, oh, you can't do anything. And, you know, we come from uh, this kind of people and that kind of people. We don't do that kind of stuff. And they, they stunt the growth of of that individual's life. And so those roots are there that want to draw from that parent and from that family situation but there's nothing coming you know it's like you give your baby a bottle the baby wants food you give it a pacifier you know it's the same effect you know you have to know when to give the the baby food and when he just needs to have something to comfort him and so there begins to be no sustenance drawn from that root system but the roots are still there crying out for nourishment and so very often those those roots are still there but they're crying for something and and they're always latching on to something but it never sustains them you know it's kind of like what we experience when we come to christ you know it's that same kind of dryness i was doing this and doing that but there was still something missing in my life we all say it you know and that's by god's design because I don't care how wonderful a family that you're put into, you're always going to have some roots that don't get fed. And those are your spiritual roots. See, if nothing else is a spiritual root, I don't care if your parents are good Christians, uh, they're good believers, there's going to be a root that they cannot feed for you that can only be fed by God. And so God oftentimes reserves some roots that don't get fed by anything. To cause us to cry out to be sustained by something greater. And that's a spiritual cry. So it's very, very different than a natural cry. It's very different from a cultural or an emotional cry. This is a spiritual uh, cry. If life is difficult for you in your, your natural family... From the time you're a child to a teenager, you have to remain in that physical environment. I mean, legally, you have to remain there. And remain supported by your family life. Even though a type of rebellion may gnaw at you, there's still a draw there see and sometimes people can be conflicted this way. Uh, you'll see it sometimes in young people um, they want to get out of their parents' house you know when they're they're around going into a you know adulthood say in teens late teens early 20s they think that's just the next step to take you see they're they're not really being led by anything or or led by any kind of inward motive but they just feel that it's the next thing to do and instead of Setting forth a plan to do it, many will try to to disconnect through some type of rebellious activity. Oh, this is where you start to see um, uh, rebellion in your child that was always real nice and went to school and got good grades and all this all of a sudden you know they 're just a terror for some reason, and it 's because there 's a root that 's not being sustained in the family life anymore that needs to now get transplanted to sustain a different family, a different situation. So they see that as part of growing up to want to get out and plant themselves in their kind of like own environment so they can do their own thing, which winds up being not much different than what they do sitting up there in your living room. But, you know, they got to do it anyway. Spread my wings. Got to get out here and do my thing. So and so you'll see that that and that's just that root that's really not drawing as much sustenance as it used to draw now it's looking for a new place to draw sustenance from and so then it's natural for uh, young people to want to start what they call their own lives where they can see if they can get out and sustain themselves you know and get their roots tapped into say for instance their focus is going to be their career for the next four or five years well they want to see if they can immerse themselves into learning and into uh, different kinds of things uh, it, it's not good when rebellion though uh motivates them out of the house or out of the the nurturing environment because rebellion being such a negative force will only draw negative things to it see and that's where they wind up with the wrong kind of friends They'll wind up with other friends that have, are crabbing against the parents, you know, well, they didn't do this and they didn't do that. And, and so they're not sustained. And pretty soon they, even if they get into their own apartment, they'll draw somebody who wants to move in with them and don't pay the rent. Don't, you know, you can always find somebody who's more rebellious than you and doesn't want to do their part. You got me? And so that, that as a motivator, is a very, very uh, bad motivator because it doesn't feed you. It doesn't feed that other person. And it will draw forces to you that you that you can draw no sustenance from. In fact, you can't even get along with them sometimes because of that negative thing that's in you that is drawing them. And so those, those motives have to be examined. And so this becomes a challenge for parents because the parent is examining the kid's motive. And you're thinking, now this don't sound right to me. You just want to get out of the house because you think, it's time to get out of the house or you or they'll find somebody a friend they kind of like and think well this is my new roommate so we're going to and you have no idea what their uh their Car payment history is how they pay their bills. If they pay their bills, uh, how do they live? Do they keep a room clean? Do they pick up after themselves? And so, if you're from a household where your parents have taught you how to do those things, you might as well stay at home because you're not going to live with somebody who's you know not taking care of things and not clean and you know what we call clean. That means clean yourself up so you're you smell nice to be around, and you pick up after yourself so. We want to be around you, kind of thing. And so, when you see kids in that rebellion, most parents start to put on the brakes because they say, Nah, now uh, I understand you want to live on your own and all that kind of stuff, but you've got to move out in peace. That's what you want. You want them to leave in peace and not fighting. And screaming and having all these friends that make you uncomfortable, but they think it's cute and all this kind of stuff. You don't want your kids to start getting rooted in that kind of environment because that's the worst type of environment. It is not going to sustain growth. And this is really what parents start to react to, I think. They, even though, okay, you know, we didn't do everything right around here, but still. We've got some standards and so if you can hang on to those standards and let your roots get planted in a place where the standards are upheld. You got me? Then that's when we can, can say we bless you and, and we can encourage you when you get out. If you run short of money while you're out there, we can help you out with your bills a little bit. You can always come to us. But if they leave in rebellion and there's this this culture that they get involved in that you know is not good for them, you're not going to want to be a part of that. So most young people, when they, they get into a place where you know, their little roots start screaming for a different soil to get planted in, a different nourishment, uh, that's when you start to dream. <laughs> you start to dream of something different or something better. But you still draw sustenance from the roots that you're in and there's nothing wrong with dreaming there's nothing wrong with putting your life together but if you're a Christian now you've got to cut that dreaming short and you've got to get in the word and get in a prayer and understand what God's plan is for you so this kind of stuff is is best handled if the family can, can pray about it um, never be afraid to tell your children to pray and never be afraid to pray with them if they don't want to pray with you then you know something's wrong with it so it's confirmed that it's not going to work for them and so you have to ask God that if they're going to leave anyway that he would make them aware that this is not the best thing to do and and to bring it to a very short end so that they'll see that they won't grow and that they won't be sustained in this type of environment Sometimes the the kids resent their roots, you know. How sometimes you can be ashamed, embarrassed of your family and your, you know. And then, yeah, I don't like the old ways, you know. <laughs> you always get a grandma who speaks the native language or something like that, you know, or some kind of crazy stuff. You got parents who still uh, grandparents chew tobacco and all that kind of nonsense, and so you, just, yeah, brother, here we go with the old ways. And so uh, kids are always embarrassed of parents. So parents need to understand that and accept it. They're going to find something to be embarrassed about. Because sometimes they feel that's the only way they can motivate themselves to do better. they got to reject where they're at and reject what they have. And so, you know, a kid may move out and struggle. Maybe they move out and get with somebody that doesn't mean them any good. You know, that kind of thing. Or they'll get out and start to experiment sexually and you know get around the wrong people get rejected and hurt and maybe even have a child out of wedlock or something like that but they still have roots that the family can tap into they still have a root there there's something that is going to draw them to reflect on what the family life was about What did that family life? And usually when they see an end to their rebellious life, it's because those roots that the family fed start to win out over the roots of rebellion. See, there'll come a day when those roots that aren't being fed will be able to scream so loud that they can't stand where they're at anymore and they'll want to go back or some way embrace what they had before. Takes a lot of humility, but God can do it. You know, he can he can uh, salvage them. And so as as a child then grows older and older, they begin to see that they look just like mom or just like dad. The same thing they tried to avoid when they were teenagers, they have become. And so why? Because when those roots are rooted, they're going to find some familiar, you know, if they've ever fed somebody, they're going to continue to feed them. You just have to find a way to tap into it, you know. And so this is why parents will pray for children to for that pleasure season of sin to come to an end. Let them find out that this is not the way for them. This is you have ordained a better way for them. And that those roots will start to scream for some for some uh, nourishment and some water. They'll want to get rooted into something that's familiar. It's not wrong to want to be like your your family in some way. You know, I think people who take that all or none approach, you know, like I gotta get away from here because there's nothing good about this. It's not right. See, it's you think that's the only uh way you can get your freedom and and be the person you feel you want to be but that's not the only way so in wisdom you start to as you get older you start to sort out things and i think god begins to speak to people and show them you know he'll show you people's hearts he'll show you your parents' hearts you know that they were they were doing the best they could with what they had or circumstances were such that it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to or you'll look at say you look at one parent and you see how poorly equipped they were to live the kind of life that that the you know that life threw them you know it's like you, you think you want to play uh... you think you want to play chess but once you know the rules of the game you find out there's work there and so i think that happens to many people in life uh... And if they don't want to drop back and start working at building a better life, uh, then they'll, they'll be um, discouraged in life. They'll be unhappy in life. And that unhappiness then becomes part of the, the family atmosphere. And so sometimes that's what children are tapping into, uh, the atmosphere that they're growing up in Uh, they're growing up in an atmosphere where parents are are striving and arguing and there's a lot of anger and resentment and there's fear there and so you can't expect a child they'll just pull their roots out you know withdraw their roots so that they don't get any of that and so what happens is there, there may be good going on the situation, but they can't perceive it because the bad overrides that. And so that's why God ordains his people to raise, be raised in an atmosphere of peace. He demands peace because he knows that that's how human beings prosper. That's how they flourish. That's how they grow. That's how they're nurtured. If there is peace in an atmosphere and there's love in an atmosphere, God's love, you know, not this nonsense stuff, and, uh, you know, real love where there's forgiveness and there's uh, reconciliation on a regular basis, and that's shown to the children you know uh, sometimes parents have to you know if you've argued in front of your kids you got to apologize to each other in front of them you know it's a little hard for some people and they'd rather just let the strife keep going but you need to do those things to demonstrate that that atmosphere can be changed you know uh, mom and dad <clears throat> got mad at each other about so and so but we're not going anywhere you know kids need to hear that somewhere sometimes they need to hear that you can disagree and it it doesn't have to be a permanent disagreement you know you can, can um, reconcile and you can call it that a disagreement it's not grounds for divorce and it's not the root of my unhappiness you know that kind of thing and so if, if you've got wisdom to keep an atmosphere healthy then an atmosphere will be healthy but sometimes people just don't have the tools to do that you know they've never developed the ability to do anything more than demand their own way and so, if that's as far as you go maturity wise that's all you're going to produce in life so when it doesn't go your own way, you're going to uproot and move on and et cetera take your little dry roots <laughs> you know someplace else and not be very rooted yourself, so that if if the parents aren't really rooted and not strong, they won't be able to maintain and you can only produce after your own kind. And so the children won't be strong. Sometimes they'll be strong-headed in that they don't listen to parents, you know, and don't listen to authority either. You know, and this is pretty common. If you have parents who are not trustworthy in their behavior and their conversation, then you don't trust them, And that broadens out to all authority figures. So you'll be like a little lone ranger out here trying to, you know, you'll always feel like you're alone. Me against the world. Nobody understands me. Can't talk to anybody. Nobody can help me. You know, you're, you're just out there by yourself because your roots are dried up and you don't trust getting yourself rooted anywhere or you'll get rooted to a point and when they start sounding like mom then you're off and running somewhere or like the teacher that used to give you grief all the time that kind of stuff and so we have to to understand that when we uh, there's an end to where the natural life will sustain you for growth there is a point where you don't grow any further in your natural life and your natural man and so that's when God takes over and brings you into supernatural life. How are we doing, Miss Juana? Okay, all right. Now, uh, the, the, the other route I want to talk to you about is the religious route. Okay. And religious roots and our early encounters with religion. Now, how many of you know if you had any encounter with religion, it had to do with church and being compelled to go? And that has nothing to do with your own will, your own desires, your own anything. You were just transported there like school. Uh So church was kind of like school. It was a place that you, you had to go. And you went there. You don't know why. Because your parents seemed to have to go too. You see, and so when I'm talking about parents, you know, just traditional ways that people get, you know, get in contact with religion and I say religion because it's not the same thing as an encounter with God encounters with God tend to run along the lines of what you see in the Bible. You know, somebody has a need, they cry out, God reveals himself however he wants to. You got me? And not always in a church, uh, and very often not in a church, <laughs> because there are many churches where God is not wanted there, and we know that too. So most of our early encounters with religion or church are usually forced upon us, because we're taken by the system that sustains us. Taken by the family. And we don't understand how we can trust mom and dad with everything else except this thing that they make us come to. And we don't like it. And we're not sure if they like it either. We don't talk about it when we get home. Right? (laughs) We just go. So basically... We go to please mom and dad because it's expected, because there's some kind of either implied or stated threat that our our nourishment will be cut off. Our, see, everything that we do in response to parental authority yeah. <laughs> There's always the fear that if I don't do this, I won't be sustained. You know, So your roots kind of tend to go along with the program because they don't want to be uprooted and set someplace else. And so we always have this root thing that's talking to us that it doesn't want to be uprooted. We don't want to be uprooted and that's why we please mom and dad. We oftentimes don't go into the level of love and pleasing them in a healthy respect because it's never offered. So it's never taught to us. We're just... Do things by by obedience, you know, rote obedience without thinking a whole lot, and it's and it really is like the old covenant system of religion. See, there's a punitive aspect to our being sustained if we don't do it. If you don't do this, you know, how dare you rebel against us? You know, and they whack you, and oh, mama, I'll go, I'll go, you know, and that works. Until you stand eyeball to eyeball with them, and then they got to think of something else to do, you know. So that's something else, really. Uh, um, if if parents really really believe in what they're doing, they'll they'll confront you with it. But if they don't, they'll kind of like give up. And when they get a certain age, they're not gonna want to go to church and I know that, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's like that missing age group group in many congregations because they just expect kids to lose interest because they're not interested really, you know, there's nothing to interest them too much. So our experiences determine what we absorb, you know. When you go into any religious situation, how you experience what you experience there determines what you absorb. So you can put some religious roots out sometimes if you have good experiences. So if they have a good Sunday school, you know, so to speak, and where they have a... a teacher who knows how to bring uh, little cut out things and you know they buy these things from different church suppliers and and they can cut them out and all this kind of stuff and and make it interesting for your kids for a few minutes then you know if it's Present it in a light where a child can respond positively to it. They'll absorb some things. And so sometimes in religious settings you'll find children who will know who Jesus is. They'll know certain facts about the Bible and things of that nature. But it's all religion. You got me? It has nothing to do with relationship. Which is why people never get their spiritual roots fed in religion because it's just a system of imitating what people believe pleases god instead of finding out what pleases god in doing that and so that's usually all of our first experiences with it we oftentimes are not involved in an environment where there is life and there's expectation there On the part of the believer. So if church is interesting, we can learn a few things. If it's unpleasant, then we imagine ourselves not coming anymore. See? And we just get through it, you know? And that's what happens to many people. They realize, oh, I had a bad thought and God didn't kill me. Ooh interesting i thought he was going to kill me and so you know you you start to use your imagination to rid yourself of the burden of religion but still there are some roots there because not many people get totally negative experiences out of early church experiences. They they get some things that feed their soul. Their spirit is not being fed. Their soul is being fed. They feel pleasant in some situations. They feel, oh, this is interesting. I never knew that before. They can learn a few things. So these things are what interest people in their religious experiences. Whether or not the... the Sunday school teacher is a nice person. They give you a piece of candy after it. They have make you memorize some certain things and reward you for that. Those are kind of pleasant experiences, but they don't feed your spirit. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. This these things don't feed your spirit. It's geared mostly to your soul. So the roots are the heart of are the heart and the soul. So and and eventually, uh, their behavior. So your early, uh, say for so for instance, I was in the Catholic Church. My early Catholic experience was mostly unpleasant. But when people asked me what religion I was, I had an answer for them. And so sometimes you cling to things just because it gets you off the hook, or it makes you feel like you're accepted somewhere, or you have an answer from somebody. And so when we go out witnessing, you can see some people still live like that. You know, they have an answer for something when you ask them if Do you go to church? You have a church home? Yeah, I'm Catholic, or yeah, I'm, I'm you know Baptist, or something like that. And so they're still in that stage where you were when you were a little kid. Do you understand? And so what God is doing with the witnessing is leading them in the same steps you went through, except you went through them so long ago. And so sometimes it's good for us to sit back and reflect, you know, what are my roots? Where did I come from? How did I get here? You know, how did I get to the place where I am now so that we can appreciate somebody who's kind of going through the same steps instead of writing them off or they're not interested. This was a seed. This was some, some water that God sent them that fed, fed the next level of hunger that's going to develop in everybody who meets religion and not God and we all meet religion first everybody's mind has to accept that there is a God before you can meet him for real the Bible says when you come to God that means you come to God on God's terms not yours and you're accepted you've got to believe that he exists number one and that he'll reward you he's a good God Say he's a rewarder. you got to believe that when you come to him, he's going to give you what you ask for. And that's a heap of believing when you think about it. You know, you've got, to, you've got to undo a lot of stuff. You've got to get some roots that used to get fed with a lot of negative, wrong information. You've got to renounce that. And that's why we've always got to come to God through repentance. And giving up the old life, the good roots and the bad roots. And the first thing that people wonder when they come to Christ is, what's it going to cost me? See, because those roots that you have that are locked into so many different things in your life start to question, am I going to get fed where I'm going? see and they start to cry out to live and that's as far as we're going to go today amen all right so we'll finish praise the lord amen praise god so we'll finish up the next time father in heaven we thank you for the ability to understand your word what you're doing where we come from and where we're going and we thank you lord for blessing us to know you in a real way And we understand, Father, that we are here for your purpose and your purpose alone. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God.